Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hey there. Welcome back to Life Science Marketing Radio. As always, this podcast is sponsored by the Association of Commercial Professionals Life Sciences. The ACPLS annual meeting will take place in Philadelphia this year on October 19th through 21st. You can register for the ACPLS annual meeting at acp-ls.org. Now let's get on with the show. My very special guest today is Olga Torres. She is the Director of Marketing at Averica Discovery. And Averica is an analytical development CRO with expertise in small molecule analysis and purification. Olga, welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio. Thank you for having me, Chris. This is going to be a good one, I know. So let's jump right no in. No pressure. Yeah, let's <laughs> jump right into this. Olga, can you describe for me um, the transition you're seeing in the CRO world? So as customers look for services, what factors are they considering when making a decision about what CRO they think they want to work with? So um, CROs are different from other biotech companies that have a product like a, an antibody that they're selling, even if they're selling it custom. You know, uh, a lot of these niche CROs, they're very focused on a specialized area. And knowing a little bit about them will help understand a little bit how the this buying process is slightly different. A lot of them were started by people uh, um, that were pharma leaders, you know, that they decided to leave Pfizer and and start a CRO. And their focus, because they're scientists, is on delivering excellence. They have a, they're respected. They have a strong network and one good reputation for delivering quality. And that has sustained a good part of their business. But it doesn't help new customers find them. If, if I was looking for someone, I might just go online. Or I may go down the hall and ask somebody, like, who do you think? But even if I ask somebody down the hall, I'm still going to go and check them online. You know, everybody researches and they are looking for confirmation that this company can help me and that has certainly to do with our capabilities but when they go online you get a lot of information so you can kind of get an assessment of the company's reputation um you know what it who it's associated with but you may see ads for other companies and and then you start to consider all of these things from another company or if you end up on a directory, then all the, the companies that perform that service. So it's gone from being about loyalty and reputation. You know, now it's not enough to do just that scientific excellence component. You have to leverage that and you have to get it out there and you have to show in a lot of different ways what science you're doing and, and what level you're doing it at and how to differentiate, differentiate yourself on that. 
Nice. Yeah, I like that. So excellence is table stakes to some degree. I mean, I'm assuming most companies are delivering excellence, but it's hard to sell excellence. You couldn't say we do a great job of whatever it is you're looking for, and especially for someone who's looking across num- a, a large number of companies. There has to be something, as you say, to differentiate them, to make them dig a little deeper on your on your content, right? Right, and I've I've definitely had that argument before within the company, even though it's, you know, they're they're just, you know, energetic debates because someone will tell me our approach is different and then say, but the result is the same. And I'm like, finally, I started thinking about cakes and like, if I made a cake from a box, if I like made a cake and did all the recipes, all the ingredients myself, or if I went to, a bakery and there's this baker there who has a lot of experience and has everything close by and you know they they've kind of optimized that process and I pay more for the baker than the box cake but I also don't have to spend the time figuring it out you know and and wondering about the quality of the results so when you think about it like that, then you can kind of start to separate out, okay, well, you know, an approach is is a different thing or excellence can't, there can be shades of, of excellence and it doesn't necessarily have to be a percent pure number. Okay. So as a former salesperson, tell me how online marketing is changing your industry? In other words, how does the nature of how you engage with your customers change because of all the things they can find online? Yeah, and they can find a lot of things. <laughs> For So I think, I think about a car. You know, the, the last car that I bought, I did all kinds of research online and probably all of us did more recently. And and that's what it comes down to is research on the different aspects and that information you see online. It's about the company. It can be about the product. It can be about the service. And fundamentally, that has changed the process. And it went from kind of almost like a one-on-one um, th- conversation of, information gathering through a cold call to, you know, again, this bombardment of, of factors and data. So one of the ways that that's really changed is making sure it's not just your website that people find you through. So making sure that that persona you have out, out there exists in the directories, in the blogs, in any videos you've made, in your social media accounts, and in your ads. And it might sound really silly, but (laughs) the thing that goes through my head is this line from The Sound of Music where they're like, activity suggests a life of purpose. You know, (laughs) it's all about activity. And I... And I think about it when I'm like frustrated that I, you know, you know, there's too many things to do. And I, and I think about it in, you know, like also knowing 
the weight of what all of it is. And, you know, it's like a, it, all of it comes together to create something that's three dimensional. And it's with a technical service like ours, it's not like buying shoes, you know, it's everything flows outward to online, you know, like flows from me to online. My goal is to get the, to engage back. So a conversation is, starts a lot different than it used to at a trade show where I'd be like, hi, you know, where are you coming from? Or, you know, like I can't do all of those things. Right. Yeah. It's a different, the, the conversation starts differently, as you say. Yeah. And I think the focus then, I mean, in, it, certainly in person, but with the website and with all the components is to establish credibility and to kind of create some level of comfort so that it's less intimidating for, for someone to reach back out and have them start the conversation. I think that's a brilliant point there. Um, and a very simple one to say, you know, what, to have companies think about their marketing and figure out what is, um, how do we create an environment that is the most inviting for people to interact with and put up as few barriers as possible, which may mean putting up a little less information because, uh, you know, it's the paradox of choice. And, and I think it applies to just the amount of content in some cases. Like if it looks like there's going to be too much to plow through, maybe someone says, you know, what? <laughs> this website just looks simpler. I, I'm going to go with those guys. I'm going to click their button <laughs> because they're afraid of what's going to come back at them. Yeah, Otherwise. I I agree. And it's something you kind of have to continually learn and relearn. You have to, re- I guess, when you get down to the analytics, you have to remind yourself, on average, how many pages are people going to? They're not going to every page in your site. So you basically have like two pages to f- get them to figure it out, you know? If So how each each page has to have a component of that goal. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And it's there's an element of testing there and the analytics, as you say, that learning what people's behavior are, is and looking back at the ones that were successful and figuring out, oh, okay, this is what works. People go to that page, then they go to that page, and then they click. Um, so, Olga, tell, tell me a little bit about how you've been able to translate what worked for you as a salesperson because you mentioned, you know, being in a trades booth and having initiating a conversation with someone. But how have you been able to translate what worked for you as a salesperson in an in-person conversation to an online conversation? That, that's something that was, is one of those things you kind of have to step away from the project. You can get really close when you're trying to, you know, like think about all these things. But when I thought about like the trade show or a booth or a table or even a, a conversation on the phone with someone and I, you know, I don't think cold calling is as effective as it used to be and certainly was relied on. But I grew up in the time in sales I, where it was. So thinking about a lot of different situations, what were the questions they asked me? You know, not 
what is the salesy positioning statement I want to tell them? But I really had to think about their questions and how I would answer their questions. And that I and then restraining myself from saying, you know, we help chemists do, you know, I, I think as scientists, we have an aversion to hearing something that's really salesy. It, it reduces the credibility for us. So the goal became, how do I create that part of the conversation that's natural of of just getting to know someone in a digital sense because the conversation with you know our service area is really technical and that conversation needs to happen about their project but the point we when we get to a project the conversation starts to pivot in a lot of different directions and I had to kind of stay before the pivot as a marketing in the digital marketing so, and I would say maybe the pivot point would be like when they say they have a need. And if marketing's focus is then to create credibility and comfort so that they will tell us that need, you know, then it comes to those things that you're saying, what should be on that page? And that's kind of this balance of not too vague so that it's not obvious what we mean. It's, it needs to be clear. This is what we can do. And not too specific because you'll alienate one group and, while you focus on another. And then you have to kind of speak to all the potential pivot points. And I, I refer to this as layering. So... For us in chemistry, I think about the analytical chemists, the medicinal chemists, the process chemists, CMC. I think about people who have a lot of experience in the industry. I think about people who have no experience. And I think about uh, the robots that crawl the site. But once the people, not the robots, (laughs) engage, then the conversation moves on with sales and and they're able to then go into the project specific components. I I really like that. I really like how you said you have to stay, you know, in front of the pivot point. And then I, I assumed, and it sounds like I was right, that the pivot point is the, the, the moment when they say I have a need and now a, a real live salesperson is going to engage with them about what that is and, and, and how they move forward to determine whether they're going to do a project. Yeah, and it might be one of the ways that sales experience works against me is because, you know, I do know where that pivot is and I know where I naturally want to then turn the conversation to be really specific. And and I think that that's something we've learned over the past couple of years to, to differentiate and, and kind of try to say, okay, well, here's a line. And, and this is where we're going to like, divide not not that we don't all work together but if we go too far across that line you're you're alienating a whole section of customers and they're going to see that presence online and they're going to say oh they can't help me yeah and it, the other thing um that i like that you said very early on in in the last answer was about 
thinking about the questions. So I, I think this is the essence of online marketing is to really understand the questions that the people who could be using your services have. And it's really, it is rich in um, the possibilities for creating things that will engage them and simply writing down all the questions that they might ask and figuring out the answers and how in what different formats you might deliver each of those answers and how they can be bundled together is is really how you, you tell your story um, up yeah. to the, up to that pivot point I, I completely agree and finding the right outlet for that you know and, and talking about when something might be a good blog article or a publication or a poster or a video and so recently we started doing a video series where we just took those basic questions we got asked either on the time all the time either online or in person and like those you know really really basic ones and you know we're just turning out like 45 second videos that'll answer them so that those answers are there um i think that it's hard though sometimes I, I I know I keep talking and talking but I guess that's the point <laughs> yes it is keep going <laughs> the uh, I feel like I'm running on with a lot of sentences the the questions and having scientists the way way we want to answer them everybody in our company is a scientist I have a biology degree and I work with a bunch of organic chemists the way I want to answer why is it important is different than the way they want to answer and making sure that my answer works for them because they're they're the target and making sure that their answer works for more of an emotional reason like so why is it important not just because the FDA says you have to do it you know which it is important for that too but because, you know, this is what it gives you. It gives you more time or it gives you um, higher quality or more answers. So one of the things I like that you said you're doing and that I don't see, I think it's pretty rare um, what you have, have started to do. And that is create a 45 second video. So each one answers a specific question. People don't have to watch a five minute long video to find out everything you do. They can watch the ones they want. Um and and I think that's a really smart way to think about answering those those questions, first of all. And then those can also be repurposed in other ways. Um so what kinds what kinds of questions are you asking and answering in those videos? A lot of the questions came from the questions we get asked in the contact us form. You know, when and I think the Definitely the one we get the most is how much is a chiral separation? How much is it going to cost? So it this gives us an opportunity to kind of explain what goes into it. It's not a flat rate price because it depends on how, you know, we develop a method for everything. Everything is custom. So these are the things that go into that. And that, you know, may determine the difference in the cost or um, why... Uh, maybe like what's the difference between purity and potency? Like some of them are going to be on the more basic level for people who don't have a lot of experience 
And then because someone who has a lot of experience may not, you know, they'll be like, of course, they, you know, they know this answer, but they may like the fact that somebody else has answered it there for them. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I think what you're doing there, especially with the 45 second videos, is exactly what we talked about earlier, and that is creating a site that's very comfortable for people to to find what they want and to look at the things they want and ignore the things that they don't really need. I think a lot of what I got from sales was in making sure that comfort level was there. Because I know that that might be the thing that pushes it over the edge. And if I'm giving them a, a sense of not just we can do this, but we're here with you and, you know, this is what we do and, and makes it easier, then I'm going to go with this company over the other company who may not have responded in the same way. Yeah, I think that's the art of online marketing is you really, you're creating an environment. It's not just presenting information. You are, you are portraying your company's personality and values and way of doing business with people through how you present information on online. Yes. I think the only thing we want to be careful to say is it doesn't replace anything that we were already doing. It's, it's certainly just in bringing some of what we were doing digital into the digital world. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't replace anything, but if, if someone's looking for you online you want to replicate the experience that they might have with you in person as closely as possible. Right. So Olga, what types of tools have you found particularly useful to, to automate this? Cause it sounds like there's a lot to be done and, and other things to amplify your efforts. Yeah, I think, uh, in terms of automation, the, the first thing that I moved to do was to automate the social media because it can, it can be a lot to nurture and and constantly add information to and um, the analytics tools you know there are a lot of each of these tools the that I'm going to mention but the analytics tools I love because I love the data there's there's been some tools I didn't like because they didn't give me enough data and I want to be able to like sometimes plot my own graphs and and co cross correlate and and I look at it the same way I looked at, you know, um, an HPLC chromatogram when I was, you know, in, in research. Uh, keyword analysis does a lot for understanding you're saying what you're saying. If You know, if there's a keyword you know is important, like method development, you want to make sure that that's coming across in the right way and not just to a person, but to a computer. And um, graphic tools like Canva, I love that tool because it's very like drag and drop and I can create, you know, really nice uh, graphic sh images that I can use as like a Twitter card or I can use them as like the, the picture that goes with the blog and it takes me like a couple of minutes. My boss thinks it takes me a lot longer um, we won't but, tell him. <laughs> I try. I keep trying to tell him. He's like, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to do graphic design too. <laughs> I'm like, this is pretty easy, but okay. Um, most of like what I I love about the tools is if you look at them a certain way, you can see how a robot sees the site, 
and that's important because it determines a lot about the SEO, um, where your search, what you come up with in search. Like um, in our original site, when I came to the company, SFC, supercritical fluid chromatography, was mentioned a lot because that's a core technology. But it was mentioned so much that Google read the site as an instrument company. Like we sold that, not that we sold the service of that part. So that was, uh, you know, was one of the things that you I learned. Um, another, one of my favorites to tell people is the word assay. And I'm a biologist. When I hear assay, I think about Eliza. There that's not what they mean when they keep using it and they kept using it around me. And so I'm like, okay. And I, I would say, you know, we do assays. And then when I showed them the data and I'm like, you know, we just keep coming up with, you know, on sites, like if somebody did a search for an assay and they were looking for an Eliza, we would pop up because I had optimized it that way. And when I brought it to the scientists, they're like, well, the biologists are wrong, which is such a mentality of a chemist. But <laughs> I was like, all right, we're not using this word. I don't want to use words that are confusing. We need to focus on on the message. And there were there were a couple of other things um, I actually coded, had coded into the site that were almost synonyms. So that I told Google they were synonyms. And the example that I have, the chiral separation, chiral resolution, and chiral purification, all of them mean to get two molecules separated and away from each other, or away from each other. And to make sure that on our site, a bot crawling it could recognize that, okay, when you see this, it's all the same thing without me having to, to write onto the page chiral separation, comma, chiral resolution, comma, chiral purification <laughs> ended up being extremely valuable. Uh, that's, I think that's a huge valuable lesson for everyone right there. So first of all, using the language your customer uses and because a lot of people he are hearing that, but making sure that um, the meaning of that language is, is understood. So the difference between the way a biologist or a chemist would use the word assay and then also um, understanding that it is possible to educate Google through your own code, sounds like, on on the equivalence of certain terms. Yeah, that, um, that I found a way to do that made me really happy. But the developers had to put it in because... <laughs> They well, I could put it in one line, but they they brought put it in a way that it would make it easy for anyone to do it, who who was um, putting stuff onto the back end of our site. But the important thing with all of the tools to remember is that y you get meaningful data out of it, or you get meaningful time from using it. And different things are going to work for different companies and and for different people. There's you know, so. While there are a lot of tools, I think I counted that I use about 20 tools regularly, um, and it can get to be overwhelming, but it, they can work together. Nice. 
So you mentioned, uh, and I'm not going to have you mention all 20. I'm going to let you write a guest post on my blog for that. But um, <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to invite you to write a guest post on that. Um, so keyword analysis, Canva, um, any other? What, what's the what's the other one in the top three? Um, analytics tools, like, you know, there's a lot of information in Google analytics. And I think that a lot of people focus on the traffic numbers and, and those are important, but finding out how people are getting to your site and not only once they get to your site, but how they move through it is, is extremely valuable information. You know, the behavior that they have on your site, you can use that to make, Make sure they're doing what you need them to do, you know, and you're sending them on a path. Or you can use that also to say, like, well, they shouldn't be there. I don't I don't want these people, <laughs> you know, the, I don't want the biologists on my site. So yeah. um, how how to kind of, like, play with, with these data points, you know, and over time. Although it does take significantly longer than any test that anybody would run in a lab <laughs> you know it takes three months sometimes to get the data but it's you're you're it's something you nurture it's something you do on a regular rotation so that you can strengthen what you have you can specify your message exactly and when you say it takes three months to run a test for example the reality is three months from now I'm assuming you're still in business. Would you rather know a little bit more and do something better? Or would you rather start three months from now and then realize that you should have been looking the whole time? So um, I just bring that up because some people say, well, it takes too long to do. And I think, are you not going to be around when that thing's done? Could you, it, we're, we're not just marketing for this month or this quarter. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to get better <laughs> forever. <laughs> I have a huge smile on my face right now because there's so many times where I've been, you know, I don't want to get in the way of of the science and the lab and all the other things that have to happen to run the company. But at the same time, I'm standing there like, I need this because six months from now, I, it has to be done. Like, it, you know, it, it has to start now. And, and that can be an article or it can be, you know, a, um, a video you know, lots of things it, you know it takes time and and I need to know that I have my data done by a time point so I'm trying I'm always thinking six months in the future and trying to say like you know if we don't start collecting data now I won't have it then and we'll, we'll have lost six months exactly you're training for a marathon so you got to be ready you got to start working now to be ready six months from now for whatever your goal is so Olga, what? Tell me. This seems like a good transition now. So, what is your approach to selling the, the idea of this type of marketing plan within your organization? How how do you demonstrate the value? Well, I think the the first thing to know is that my CEO wanted to have a marketing plan, and we, I think he had tried a, a couple different things. And when I came onto the company. You know, it was something that I kind of said, you know, I can, I've, I've done stuff with social media and a little bit with communications. I can take some of that off of your plate. And it was like 20% of my job, you know, with 
the majority being sales. And we developed a small series of objectives, you know, like let's enhance our social media profiles and um, let's, let's enhance our SEO. I don't like being on page nine. You know, I want, can we, what can we do to get to page one? And then actually analyzing the results and, and not letting that, you know, because if you don't look at it, it's great that you're collecting the data, but if you never look at it, you know, you can't do anything with, <laughs> with it. <laughs> so now I have a big smile on my face because I, you know, one of my first rules of analytics is don't collect data. You're not going to use, like if you're not right. going to do anything with it, don't waste your time collecting it. And I guess the opposite of that is, um, if you, if you collect it, look at it. Does it help? in an organization like yours to frame marketing as an experiment and testing hypotheses rather than what um, maybe from a, a more scientific analytical point of view seems like um, fluffy hope for lack of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, slightly going back to the marketing plan, I, I had, attempted to to sell the plan we came up with to the rest of the company and I honestly fell flat on, flat on my face I was shocked <laughs> um, you know and I know scientists like data and I like data and I didn't have any data you know two years ago I I I didn't have any data at that point um so a lot of the company are thought I was wasting my time and they didn't believe in what I was doing and it really didn't bother me because I had the data and I knew that I had doubled my domain authority and that Google was recognizing us as credible in addition to our customers recognizing us as credible and yeah I think that was framed in our minds as a series of increasing experiments and and kind of I think that also that helps break it up and make it manageable you know it's not such a big thing of like trying to enhance your SEO it's um it's a a part of something I don't know there's a there's a warm and fuzzy part to it I can't <laughs> right. I can't avoid that but in January of this year, we I worked with the CEO to put together a data-driven presentation to the company, and it undeniably showed that there was an effect that the marketing had on the growth of the company. We were able to uh, – we grew the largest we had ever grown. It was 40% year over year, and half of that was attributable to marketing in one way or another. So then they believed. Yeah, and – uh, well, first of all, congratulations. I think that's a fantastic result. But also, the, the other thing about data-driven marketing is now you're looking at – you're not just doing marketing and hoping that your company is growing, for example. But And you're not saying that everything we do is going to work. But now, like a good scientist, you're going to write down what did work and what didn't work. And then you're going to do more of the things that do and test out some different things. And forget about doing the things that didn't work or figure out why they didn't and try some modification. So it's there's a continual guide there for 
for how how to move forward rather than um, because if you're not doing that some things will work and some things won't but you'll never make better choices about which you should be doing if you're not keeping track right we did a I would say like a mix of experiments some we were pretty sure how it was gonna turn out and you know somewhere around that strategy but a couple were completely speculative and and Example that we have of that is is the cycling team. We decided to take the money that we would spend at one trade show and instead invest it in a cycling team. And it, and it, they were about to create an elite cyclocross women's team. And they named it Team America from the sponsorship money. And so, like, it kind of, it got to be this really big thing. And they had such... Twitter followers and we thought okay we're going to get some great pictures it'll be fun you know um, maybe it's kind of like an ad because people in science like cycling so if if they run with the right uniform on through the right streets in Boston it'll be good and that's not we got so much more the the Twitter activity was insane and the whole community so cyclocross is a specific type of cycling and it's like if you were to It's crazy. It's crazy and it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they have like such a big community and it's so nationally ranked and um globally ranked athletes started following our Twitter and, and sharing information that we were putting out there. And, you know, the people from pharma companies were saying, it is amazing what you're doing. And, you know, there were customers with the said, you know, like how you had um, like kids cycling teams that they were trying to help grow and nurture. And so they used us as examples and there were other ones who, who came to us and, and found us because of this and you know we we didn't expect that we hoped for for customer engagement but we honestly <laughs> like it, it was it was something that uh we got i think that the best thing we got from it was a personality like i love how we are inside the company you know everybody regularly eats lunch together we kind of we're always kind of kidding around with each other you know work together to make sure that everything is done um that's really hard to capture online and I think that was the first thing that I wanted to do and and the CEO was like what's with these cutesy tweets and I was like you know we're actually kind of funny you know and like why don't we be funny online and the best example of, of who we are as a team internally has been what the women of Team America have been able to portray digitally. I, I'm stunned. I mean, honestly, that is one of the boldest marketing moves for a life science company I've ever seen. Because let's face it, we're all, they're all pretty conservative. And that is, um, I would say it's fair to say pretty unrelated to what you do and yet you took a chance and you went after an audience or and built an audience that wasn't primarily uh, people looking for analytical services and yet it was it got big enough 
so that your intended customers found you. And on top of all that, you know, manage some of them found you to decide to do business with you, but also uh, established a brand and, as you say, a personality for you through an entirely unique channel. Yeah, I think honestly, like I thought we'd get imagery, like pictures of speed and strength and strategy, and um, and it was it was wild, and it's a wild sport. And I think you should like if you don't know about cyclocross, definitely check it out. Um, but the to have gained a personality, I think like I was so emotional when the season was was done because of of that goal having been achieved. And that was like probably the hardest goal that I had. And that was a personal goal. It wasn't something that was in my, my list of things to do as, as we grew the marketing there. Um, and, and it, I don't think it's the only bold thing we've done. (laughs) I'm sure it's not, but I, I I just think that's, uh, that many companies would, would not be as courageous as you have been on that. The, uh, I, it was something that was definitely unique and innovative, especially, so not just for a CRO, for a life science company, but for a CRO that's as specialized as we are to have taken that risk. And, and even to have taken the risk with a marketing plan and, and diving as deep into it as we did you know or let me rephrase that not with a marketing plan but with a dedicated marketing person you know i we don't know of any other niche cro's that have someone that is 100% of the time dedicated to the marketing wow yeah well obviously uh after they listen to this podcast they might <laughs> well it's it's an inherently highly technical and highly customizable space so it's it's a challenge and and getting to where we got is a challenge and and it was um because there there are so many components to consider like all of all of these little things that we've talked about they're they're simple things but there are a lot of things and and some of it it's in changing your perception your your paradigms around whether marketing has value, you know, like it, like it did with the team, you know, part of our company, or even with some of our, our colleagues, because, you know, they've been giving us a couple calls going like, so you guys are, what are you doing there? And, and every time we, we, I appear in person or my CEO appears in person at an event, you know, they come and they're like, Hey, we saw what the cycling team did, you know? So diversity of things, meaning variety um, of things that we've been able to do and connect with people. And and again, that's what we said right at the beginning. It's about connecting with people. It's about making them feel comfortable. You know, the, the cycling team to me makes somebody feel comfortable after they, we've established the credibility. They know what our personality is. And then, you know, we're right back at the beginning of the, the marketing cycle. Exactly. That's beautiful. That's a, I think that's a, a great place to, to put a bow on this. So Olga Torres, I want to thank you so much. I think this has been a fantastic 
handbook for small companies thinking about why and how they they should be uh, improving their marketing game. And um, I can't thank you enough for a fantastic conversation. And I, I we're going to come back and do another one because there's I still have lots of questions. Oh, okay. This was really great. And thank you for the opportunity to to share kind of some of what's been a whirlwind two years of, of activity. All right. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You bet. That was one of the most awesome life science marketing stories I have heard. What a bold move uh, to put your name on the sponsorship of a cyclocross team. That's an obscure sport. But I'm going to include uh, the case study that Olga mentioned in the show notes. You have to check this out because they really thought this through about who their customers were and where their customers are and where cyclocross is popular. And it all makes sense. Um, so that was fantastic. If you enjoyed it, tell two of your friends. As always, I really appreciate that. And I want to give a shout out this week to my friend Sylvain. He's over in France. He sent me a nice message on e- LinkedIn to tell me how much he enjoyed the show and actually gave me some great suggestions. I'd love to hear from you too. So if you have an idea of who you'd like to hear on the show, things you want us to talk about, send me an email, chris at words, the number two, wow.com. And I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.